Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Thank you for joining us today. Kim and I are here to talk all things wine with you. And first, we'd like to talk about what we Googled ourselves this week. So, Kim, what did you research on Google this week? I just did some basic Googling of food and wine pairings. I know that that, you know, something I talk about all the time. (laughs) But I, you know, I, I wanted to look a little bit more into wines that people pair with spicy food. And I know that we talk about this a bit. And, you know, your philosophy for pairing and my philosophy for pairing are, are a little bit different, whereas I tend to do more of the textures and you try to match up some of the flavors. But I, you know, I just wanted to look a little bit into like what different restaurant pairings will do for, um, you know, for dealing with spicy food. And I, a lot of the time, I think it depends on what people are pairing with. So like, if it's a spicy barbecue, I think that a lot of folks who do parent do food and wine pairings kind of lean more towards your way of pairing it where you know you might do something big and fruity and a grape that has some spice element to it to pair with that spicy barbecue and then for lighter dishes it tends to you know go to those lighter slightly sweeter sweeter wines so yeah i just like keeping up on the on the trends of what people are pairing with different things surprise surprise I know. it is barbecue so season not. so that's good <laughs> so what about you well for me i was researching alcohol consumption for people that have gastric bypass surgery. Uh This was one thing I never really thought of it, but we always talk about how much you consume based on your weight and how it will affect you. But I never thought about it from the point of someone who has their, basically their stomach tied. Mm -hmm. They cannot absorb alcohol like a normal person can. So I was kind of trying to find some numbers, but it was just interesting. It The effect is greater on, on this type of person. Yeah, so, I think so that was what I wow. Googled. Interesting. So Strange, wine, but wine and medical procedures. Okay. Yes. And how it affects. Our first topic to discuss with you today is a blog that was about why the the wine industry is losing its wine consumers. And we don't like to hear this no, stuff, No, we don't. But I, I think it's important to know like what different age groups are consuming if they're following sort of standard trends that we've seen over the course of generations and what the impact of really the value system and the consumption habits of the younger generation that is just either just turning 21 now or folks that are in their 20s and early 30s. So the group of folks that is often referred to as the millennials, uh, right now they're between 23 and about 38, 39 years old. And are they drinking wine? What kind of wines are they drinking? And the data is telling us that they're really not drinking as much wine as the uh, generations that came before them. So this is... not not confusing, but a little concerning, well, concerning for, yeah. for wine producers as we see trends in wine drinking kind of going down. Well, they said they're not doing enough to get the millennials to drink. So, and I, I Do you think I it's think a marketing a pro- thing? Well, I think I had a problem with that because yeah. what I mean, they're in the. There's a lot of technology out there. There's augmented reality. They're marketing on social media. I think there's other factors. I don't think. What else can you do? Yeah, to get a younger. I don't think that it's a, a marketing issue. I mean, one of the things that was brought up in this article 
article was that alcohol, like spirit producers, have done a much better job of getting younger folks to think that their beverages are cool and what they should be, you know, what they should be drinking. But I think a lot more comes into play as far as is wine something that has value to consumers in their 20s and 30s. And that the health aspect of it was brought up numerous times in this article that younger people might not see that wine is something that can be a part of a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, more and more I'm seeing that younger generation feels it's not healthy for you. And and that leads to the whole smoking and the cannabis thing. They're thinking that is healthier Mm -hmm. than wine or alcohol now. So, I mean, we're obviously on the side of we don't like this type of information, but I just can't, I can't see how with every day there's something in the news about the health of of wine drinking. And there was one I just heard this morning that was about it being good for your, your mouth. Yes. For the health of your, your your oral health and the bacteria in your, in your mouth and that wine drinkers generally have less tooth issues which I, th- I think we've read about before. We yeah, we've about covered that. Like that. a year ago. And you can always find an article, like you said, today, but then weeks ago, there was something comparing it to tobacco and smoking. And then it's even worse. Which yeah. is worse. So I just, I don't think that's the issue. I think, like you said, I think a lot of the, the liquor people have a lot more marketing power in a, in a capturing that audience. You see more liquor ads or, or liquor promotions, I think, than wine promotions. And I think it comes down to branding because for wines, the ones that are the big, big brands tend to be not necessarily the highest quality. Whereas in alcohol, you have you can sometimes have the reverse of that. You have some of the bigger brands that are very well regarded as far as the quality of their wine, but they have they have a brand. And in the wine world, I feel like the only thing that has really done this well is champagne. Like people know Vouve Clicquot, people know Dom Perignon, people know Cristal. You know, those are names attached to a specific product that people understand what they're all about. There is marketing cachet to those things. But other than that, you know, a lot of wine is not talked about that way and not advertised that way and not marketed that way. So I think that that is a a big disconnect between younger consumers and and wine. Yeah, that's a great example of the champagne thing because you see that in the music industry where it's a big cultural thing. Champagne is still, yeah. you know, still has a lot of market share and there's nothing that's not going away. Uh, I don't think people are drinking less champagne. It's these other things and it's more the concept of drinking wine. I we, don't think you can say that these people, they're not trying to grab, they're doing all they can yeah. to get business. I mean, Maybe they're to say not they're doing not it trying right. it, well, Maybe I mean, they have a lot right. of marketing money, so they'll figure it out, I right? So. I, I, hope. I think so. So let's talk about the next thing, Kim, they said of why the uh, market is losing wine consumers. They said wine is boring. Well, you know, I think this comes back to younger generation always wants to do something different from the ones that came before them. You don't want to be drinking something that you associate with your parents. And we see this with wine from time to time. And this happened in Europe even before it's been happening here. So this, this is not a new concept. The idea that, oh, my mom drinks Chardonnay, therefore I'm not going to drink Chardonnay. I'm going to drink something else. I'm going to do craft beers or I'm going to do different liquors or, or whatnot. And we saw this in the 1980s, which is why people drank wine in the 1980s, because they were distancing themselves from the cocktail culture of their parents. So I think it's cyclical. And I think that there needs to be more done to make wine drinking 
appealing to that younger generation beyond that marketing aspect, making it not boring. I don't know how people can say wine is boring. Yeah. Well, I, you know, once again, they were saying it's not grabbing the attention. Right. And, and how but can boring it be... could be associated with, oh, that's what my mom drank. Yeah. Well, how I can, can it, see that. How can it be boring if the industry says, okay, let's make Game of Thrones wine. <laughs> you know, let's, let's make you put your phone on here and it's going to come to life. I mean, that's not boring. I, I could see, you know, saying, what's the difference between geeky and boring? I think sometimes if you're too geeky like us, it, it can come off as being a boring subject if you're not into the subject. We throw enthusiasm into our geekiness, though, so but, we make it not You know, boring. are people confusing geeky with boring in the wine world? No, you know? I don't think... that. For me, it's not the geeky, but I think it could be like, why am I going to listen to you talking to me about different types of soil? Like, that can be really boring. <laughs> yeah. Like, and they, like, we geek out over that stuff, but I totally can understand why that does not grab people's imagination because you're talking about dirt so honestly and you know all the stuff that we talk about grape varieties I'm sure that for a vast number of people that is also incredibly boring like why are you talking to me about different types of grapes and the way they backed up this saying it's boring is they did a industry study they said online sales they said 17% people buy luxury goods online less than 3% buy wine online so that means wine's boring which I don't think that was a good way to judge that yeah I don't think that those two are necessarily going together but I will say that I think that they have something going here where they're saying that for a lot of younger consumers who are used to doing a lot of their purchasing in an online format, the fact that you can't for wine in a number of places, including here in the state of Massachusetts, it's very, very hard to get wine delivered to you. That is an impediment. I absolutely think so. So you're thinking it's the law that's restricting yes, them from... Yeah. I do. Oh, I, I agree with that. Yep. I, I mean, they if, know they're if using you're the technology used to, get, to if you order. you get your food, if you get your shoes, if you get your clothes, if you get, you know, anything and everything everything. You can click that button on Amazon and get that delivered the next day, but you can't do it for wine. Yeah, good point. But then again, you also can't do it for spirits and people are drinking plenty of other stuff. So, Well, the next thing they mentioned, Kim, they was back to what we talked about at first. They're saying it, it's bad for you. So we talked about the health issues, mm-hmm. but uh, they're outright saying well, it's bad for you. So that's why they're losing consumers. But when, just enough people are saying that alcohol is bad for you as are saying that cannabis is bad for you. But if that segment of consumers is growing, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. It could just be that it's new and after the whole idea of finally people being able to have marijuana as something legal that once that the sort of shine wears off of that then then maybe it won't be as much of an issue anymore i don't know yeah i don't know that one that one i'll pass it yeah <laughs> let's go on to the last thing they they're just finding other substitution of drinks instead of wine and that's why they they're losing the wine consumer i loved this quote that they said we're talking about restaurants and mixed drinks and that mixology is very hot and you know you can go to a bar that has a really great mixologist and watch them mix up your craft cocktail and it's like super cool to watch them and they say where is the mixologist for the wine business in bars and i thought that was just great i'm like yes yeah, let's talk about point. that a little bit more yeah. like and I think that goes back to the boring factor. It goes back to the cool factor. It, wine is not cool. You know, in some in some ways, it's not. I, I think it's fun. And a lot of other people think it's fun. But is it cool? And it's probably not cool of me even to be using the word cool. But, you yeah. know, You're where is... You're not doing the Tom Cruise flipping the wine balls no, behind the bar. it's not like cocktail. <laughs> so, it... you know, if you're trying to get in front of a different generation, we're not... Maybe we're not just speaking their language. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of hot products on the market now, like bike seltzers. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people go into that. But, I mean, it's just fermented sugar. So... There's trends. So I think that trend takes away from that person that might have been the wine drinker or the sangria drinker. The other trend that I 
I thought was interesting. It made me think of this substitute drink thing. Everybody's talking about the miniature bottles. It's it's on social media all the time, finding nips all over the place. There was a vendor at one time I had that was putting chocolate wine in nips in the miniatures. Wow. And it sold like crazy. So I'm thinking, why not? You know, We have the 187 size bottles. We have the cans. You know, and there was someone online who was doing like test tube samples yes, of wine. I, I Imagine if those. there was the miniatures in wine. I would love miniatures in wine. I would too. That would make it so much easier to do a really small wine tasting with somebody. See, that's the type of thing maybe would grab the person who's buying the liquor miniature would say, hey, I'll try a, a miniature Cabernet, mm-hmm. right? And Or you I, get a case of 12 that are 12 different wines right. and then you can have a different glass every night and you're not having to open a bottle of wine that has four or five glasses in it. And that, miniatures. you know, it's easier to find and easier to ex- explore and experiment with. Sounds like a mm-hmm. shot. We'll go on Shock Tank next week. Woohoo! Update our listeners on <laughs> You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine. We are your hosts, Mark and Kim. You can find out more information about myself at vinitaswineworks.com and more information about Mark at his website, franklinliquors.com. So a quick little piece that we ran across about nutritional considerations in wine. And this goes back a little bit to our conversation about sugars in wine. And this was more about calorie counts and carbohydrates and what actually is in that bottle of wine. So we often will talk about different wines have different ranges of sweetness from dry to sweet. And that does impact how many calories are in a glass of wine. So for on the lighter end of things, you tend to want to look for a light, dry white wine, and those will clock in at about 80 calories a glass. And for a glass of wine, we generally say between five and six ounces is a glass. Wouldn't you, would you agree yeah. with that amount? Yeah. And they, I mean, they broke down a lot of things, Kim. And first, I have to ask you, because this, is, this has been trending really hot lately about people demanding the FDA to put uh, nutrition requirements right. and calorie Nutri- content nutrition on wine. ingredients right? on wine. Yep. And they, the FDA and the TTB saying, no, we don't want this to happen. There's some winemakers are saying it should happen. It should just say sugar, yeast, and water. That's it. What are your thoughts on the requirement of the alcohol, um, excuse me, the nutrition being on a wine label? I guess Good, I'd, bad. I guess I'd be for it because we do get this question and there's a lot of things that you don't know by looking at a wine label and things that are valuable to the consumer. And consumers do want to know how many calories are in this. They want to know what's in the thing that I'm eating. And wine is still this great big mystery where they don't, other than the alcohol content, they don't have to tell you what is in that bottle. So, so do you think this is big corporations putting the kibosh to this? because they don't want you to know some things. Yeah, I'd buy that. Um, But I also think that it could be harder. I mean, obviously anything, when you make big changes like this, are hard on the really little guy. So if you're only making 5,000 cases of wine a year and you have to change your whole labeling thing and maybe you don't have consistency all the time, you know, maybe this batch is slightly different from this batch is slightly different from this batch. And that would make it harder on those people to have a consistent labeling program as far as their nutritional labels to put on the wines. But um, I think from the consumer's point of view, they want to know this stuff. And, and I think that kind of think it should be on there, even if it's just calorie count. 
Yeah, I agree. Something should be on there. I just, I don't get any questions when people are looking at two wines, you know, which one of these has more calories mm-hmm. or so. But you started out, I interrupted you with this, mm-hmm. but you started out with the standard serving size of wine. And in most people, the general regular size bottle of a wine is a what they call 750 milliliter bottle, which converts to 25 ounces. About 25, 25, 26. It's so. always funny, the liquor industry, the wine industry's metric for years and nothing else in this country is metric, right? And that 750 milliliters being 25 ounces is technically five servings. So if you drink a whole bottle, that's five servings. And of course, the uh, a lot of the medical societies say you should only have two glasses a day for a man, a man or one for a woman. So drinking the whole bottle in a day is not recommended. <laughs> right? Not recommended. Not recommended. Exactly. So then from the standard serving, they go to the calories. So you started, Kim, five ounce glass, typically of a typical wine, 80 to 200 right. calories. In so a say you're having a glass of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. That's about 80 calories for that glass. If you're having something that is bigger and higher in alcohol and maybe lots of fruit to it. So let's say something like a California Zinfandel. Um, that's going to be higher. Red wines generally will have higher calorie counts because they have higher levels of alcohol and alcohol adds calories. So you're looking more in the 120, 130 calorie range for those bigger reds with maybe a little bit of residual sugar, but also those higher levels of alcohol. So they say anywhere between 80 and 200 calories and 200 calories are for sweet wines. So you're talking your ports, you're talking your dessert wines, really sweet Rieslings. So those obviously, because they have higher levels of sugar, sugars, you know, sugars carry more calories and sometimes that higher alcohol level too. So So there we we are for calories. I think we talked in the past, Kim, I always, when I see this about calories, I'm always thinking, okay, there has to be some simple calculation, right? I think we talked about this where, and I've, I've looked it up and you at home can do the same. I've seen three to five different calculations you can do and they're all different. And so if you figure um, one of them was you take the the milliliters times the percent of alcohol times eight divided by a thousand <laughs> times seven. So if you did that with a standard 750, what? yeah. If you did that with a 750 milliliter bottle at 13% and you drank the whole bottle, that calculates to 546 calories. 546 calories. All right, and then divide right? that by five. No, that that's the whole that's calculation. Whole right. Right. So the second. No, but 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 to get your yeah. glass count, because oh, yeah, you're not div- going to yeah, drink divide that Divide that bottle. by five. So you're talking <laughs> between the 80 and 200, right? right? There you go. So then the second one was just ounces times 25, right? So that came out to. What about your alcohol? It it didn't matter in this calculation, and that came out to 625 calories for for a bottle of wine. So the difference between 625 and 546, it's it's that's a, a big bit. difference, right? That's a little bit. Then the third one was the ounces times the percent times 1.6. And that came out to 520 calories. So bottom line, there is no... No. I thought there'd be an app or something, but I say just go by the number. It can be 80 to 200. I think this goes back to the you don't really know what's in your bottle kind of question. Exactly. The alcohol level's on there, but okay, you know, you can have a wine with 13% alcohol that has a lot of residual sugar and therefore a lot more calories than a really 
really dry 13 and a half percent glass of like Bordeaux. So yeah, there's that's that's wild. Yeah, it's strange. <laughs> it's strange. So that's that's the calories. Right. Let's move on so to there's carbs. Our calories. So carbs, um, you know, kind of hand in hand with calories for, a, you know, lighter, drier wines, especially from cooler climates, going to have the lowest carbs. And wine generally is low in carbs. But again, it, it's, it's going to amount to how much sugar is left in that wine. And if you have low sugar levels or no sugar at all, um, you're looking at a, a low carb wine. Have you ever been asked by anybody? I get asked about calories. Never I don't carbs, get asked right? about carbs. I kind of think the carb thing is... I don't know. Well, <laughs> no one's running the marathon. And they're eating pasta. They're not guzzling wine the <laughs> night before, right? Well, that makes sense. So the best no dehydration when you're running. The best low carb would would be sparkling dry wine, right? They're right. saying sparkling. Why, why is the sparkling carb thing when there's a lot of sugar added? You have to be the driest style. The driest, of sparkling, yeah. Right? So that brute style, like I was talking about before. All right. So that this yep. conversation brings us to the next thing about is sugar, and we discussed sugar in detail in the. Past one of the things you have to confirm for me, Kim, because I'm a big milk drinker. Oh, this is and a milk. Comment. Did you yes. see the amount of sugar in milk? Yes, because oh lactose, was, this because was like lactose a, is a sugar. This was like a slap in the face. I knew there was a lot of sugar, but now I understand why my doctor yells at me about cutting back on milk and bread and everything sugar wise. Mm-hmm. But 50 grams per liter in a in a cup of milk, something like that, like huge. But it's but it's a your body breaks it down in a different way More, so, better than wine <laughs> so <laughs> i can drink my <laughs> pro- it, probably um yeah because lactose is broken down differently in your body than sucrose is well i, I was i there was shocked so I'm, I'll, drink, I'll stick to wine and that's what's so confusing about having labels about sugar on labels on wine labels no in labels on, in, general, in general because there are so many things that have natural sugars that can be healthy for you but people get all freaked out about oh there's sugar in this it's yeah. like well anything thing that has some sort of carbohydrate is a sugar so it can be i think i think it's hard to really simplify it without people understanding exactly what you're talking about so that's why i kind of like that there are labels now which will specify natural sugars versus added sugars because you know if you have something with fruit in it that obviously has natural sugars i think it's important to know is it is all the sugar just coming from the fruit or is there additional corn syrup or cane sugar or something else added to that? So that's where the the milk thing is sort of, you know, scary. You're not used to thinking that, oh, my, my milk is made up of sugars, but lactose is sugar. Well, the, the good thing about sugar in wine is if you go to a tech sheet, they will tell you the percentage of sugar, right? They're not going to tell you the carbs or, or the calories on a tech sheet, right. usually, unless it's a fit type of wine being marketed. But you can find sugar information. It's just not on the label. It's on mm-hmm. the on the technical sheet. The next thing they mentioned, Kim, and this is always a hot topic, and it's a shocking topic when we bring it up, is about wines being vegan and should this be on on a label? And right. it, it usually is on a le- label if they're proud of being of vegan. making a vegan wine. So oftentimes there are products that are used to uh, clarify a wine so that it's not all hazy and has a nice clean, bright finish. And this has been used for you know generations, hundreds of years, um, and usually the substance is egg whites. So if you are vegan, you don't want to have any animal products associated with your food at all. So most wines don't technically count as vegan wines because there may be egg whites used in the um, in the fining stage.
age of the wine. But like you just said, you know, a lot of wines that are proud to be vegan will put that on the label. Um, and then jumping off of that question was also the question about is wine gluten free? Yeah, gluten free. Usually that answer is yes, wine is gluten free. I get this question often, and there there really isn't anything that is associated with wine that has any type of gluten to it. There used to be like many 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 years ago, like certain glues that were like wheat based or something, but it's really not an issue anymore. The so, one yeah, thing I saw about gluten was if the wine is fermented or stored in an oak barrel and say it's it's common if the barrel leaks and they use some sort of flour paste or something to seal it that's not gluten-free, then that mm. can get into the wine. Yeah, that's what I had but heard. Like, very it was like, small percentages. Like sealing something with some with a, a substance that is wheat-based. Um, but how but else? I don't think I've know, ever heard of any winemakers actually doing that. When you think about it, how else could glutens get into the product unless they're they're filtering with something that's a paste or you know or the only other thing touching that I can, a basket the only other thing i can think of is what is the yeast being grown on yeah yeast what about if it's just touching the physical grapes somehow in the in the vineyard if something is on the grape and it's is that possible? Not really. Not because it's you've not got flour in your vineyard. It's not like distillation where which where that's, you're making that's a it pet, from yeah, the grain. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's probably one of the biggest pet peeves for me in the liquor industry is people asking if distilled spirits are gluten free. And to me, I don't see how anything's left in any even even if it is wheat or whatever. Once it's distilled, it's pure. Don't pro- proteins don't get distilled? I would say everything is cleaned out hmm. when it's distilled. Because I. No, I do have some friends who have wheat allergies that don't can't drink certain do, vodka or something. Do, no, that can't do whiskey. That can't do anything that is grain based. I just they don't do see react how anything. I, I don't know why they don't. There's there's products made with glutens that say they're gluten free. Mm-hmm. They must measure it. I mean, it's a chemical process. Yeah. But in know. the wine industry, we don't have the distillation. But there's but no... But grapes don't have gluten. So Yeah, there's no way it can get on there. I was just trying to think of ways it could get on there. Yeah. It'd have to be some sort of addition. It would have something. to be added to. I've never yeah. seen that on the, on an additive list either. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're safe with that. We're safe. I've never... I, I don't know. Do you have a lot of friends with gluten issues? I do have a, a number of friends with gluten issues, yes. So tell them drink wine. Drink wine instead. Or tequila. Thank you for listening to The Wonderful World of Wine this week. We've been your hosts, Mark Lenzi and Kim Simone. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine and also past episodes on iTunes at The Wonderful World of Wine. Cheers! Wine, wine, wine.